Welcome everyone to my podcast. I'm your host, Jen O'Sullivan. My desire is to help you on your personal wellness journey. When you know better, you do better, and then you'll be better. So you can find more of my resources over at jenosullivan.com. You can also head over to 31oils.com. Lots of stuff over there. Okay, let's get started. Welcome everyone. I am glad to be here this Sunday afternoon and this is my message spot (laughs) and once a month I get on here on the first Sunday of the month to just share my heart. Um, Has nothing to do with essential oils. I know most of you guys know me as an essential oils teacher (laughs) and this is a space for me to be able to share with you spirituality. And I know many of you guys who follow me are Christians. A lot of you guys aren't, right? We have a a bunch of people um, that are part of my, I guess, oily tribe that are not, uh, you know, anything. (laughs) You might consider yourself agnostic or atheist even, but I do have a lot of people who are followers of mine who are uh, Muslims and Hindu and Buddhists. So we've got a bunch of different religions represented here across the globe. Um, I am Christian, and I remember one time going to Singapore and having lunch or breakfast, excuse me, with with several uh, women. And it was really fun because all three of us were from completely different backgrounds. And it was just a beautiful thing to be able to, you know, conversate and and hang out and and just be human okay so today's talk uh, has a little bit to do with sort of where I've been coming from how I've been moving through life uh, many of you guys have heard some of my struggles moving forward with you know just being able to be real and not judgmental and Um, being the nonverbal learning disorder girl that I've got, (laughs) um, and being very black and white. And um, many of my Christian friends would call me a prophet. And not that I can tell the future that doesn't that's not what that translates to. But here in this day and age, a prophet is somebody who vehemently upholds the word of God, almost aggressively. So Um, they're the mouthpiece of God. I don't consider myself that personally. I feel like that elevates me too much. So for me, whenever I hear someone say that about me, I sort of cringe because all I'm doing is I feel like what everyone should be doing. I think we are all called um, to share your spirituality and your growth and the process that you're going through. So I thank you, first and foremost, for allowing me to be on here. And um, I'm doing this on my podcast, on YouTube Live, and on my Facebook author page. And my author page is just a a place for me to be able to share the things that I'm writing and doing. And many of you guys know that I do write two blogs on and off. Um, One is about marriage and helping support happy, healthy marriages. And the other is my theology blog. Um, So you can find those at Holy Just Love is my theology blog. So Holy Just Love. And what that means is God is holy, God is just, and God is love. And then the other one is an excellent wife dot com. So, um, so this Sunday morning, I want to talk to you guys about being teachable. And it's something that I wasn't for many years as a red, a fierce red in the 90th percentile, right? Like, I really think I'm right all the time. And this is this is me pre Christian. Okay, so about six years ago. And I can look back at my life then and my friends would even say, yeah, Jen's always right. And I mean, I kind of prided myself on 
always being actually right, right? There's a difference. You can think you're right, and then you're either wrong but thinking you're right. So, you know, or you're right and think you're right. So what was interesting, though, to me about what God did for me and worked in my own life was through my husband, who, by the way, is not religious at all. So my husband of, I don't know how many years, we married in 2004, we started dating in 1992, we were high school sweethearts, and I had a massive crush on him in junior high. And really, you know, I mean, you love who you love, and you can't really help it much. But he definitely is not, he knows the gospel message, he's very understanding of it. But um, he doesn't choose to have that for his life. He feels like for him personally, um, he's, it's too hard. Uh, And what I mean by that is he's counted the cost. Um, He has Asperger's and many of you guys know our story and, and all of that. And he's my absolute best friend. And that's why I am, you know, my my pastor always is very encouraged when I ever talk about my husband, because it's always in positive light. Um, And even his not being a Christian, I can I can say, in a positive light, I can be thankful for his sanctification through me, right? He definitely keeps me on my toes. And, you know, for me having nonverbal learning disorder, that's one level, but Asperger's is a whole nother level of black and white, right? Like, like for him, ah, you know, if, if Christ told him he needs to go out and spread the gospel message to an Aspie, that's impossible because that means he has to people, (laughs) he has to talk to people. And he's like, no, I would rather burn in hell than do that. And I'm not kidding. We have had lengthy conversations about this. So I trust in God. He, God made him who he is and God can also save him. Right. So it's out of my hands. But what that means for me is that I'm constantly being checked And in a big way, you know, I will blow up at somebody, you know, in front of him and he will be like, where did my Christian wife go? You know, I mean, he definitely keeps me in check. And I'm like, oh, you're right. So uh, I want to read to you a verse that is an interesting one because it has to do with a topic we've been talking about recently about not judging each other and help letting people be where they are. Um, but also that informs how we pray for them. But I want to help you guys understand sort of some contextual things biblically. And, um, hopefully this will, will edify some of you. And even those of you guys who maybe don't, um, align with Christianity, this would potentially resonate with you as well. Um, And I feel like when you when you listen to true truths, they just are true, right? Regardless of who's preaching them, right? There's many beautiful Buddhist truths and Hindu truths that we can all resonate with as as true truths. So so here we go. First Corinthians 1.10. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians, and he's not too happy with them. Okay, so he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Okay, so you can look at that verse and say, wow, that's beautiful right? Really, you could, you could say, 
can't we just all get along? Like that that's Jesus's message. But here's the thing, it's not. And even though Jesus didn't say this, this was from Paul's writings. We know that all scripture is breathed out through God, right? That it is inspired, the inspired word of God. Um, I often tell you guys some of the times when I'm speaking to you guys, I don't even know what I've just said. And I re-listened to it. And I was like, that was definitely the Holy Spirit teaching through me because I didn't have that in my notes. And that taught me something, right? Like words I would not have normally formed. So we know, and Christians who are true Christians know what that feels like and know what it means to have the Holy Spirit inside of them, okay? Because it's a funky, weird thing that happens. So we, when we look at the texts, we know that they are inspired through the Holy Spirit, through God. And so we're looking at that today thinking, okay, can't we all just agree? And can't there just be no divisions among us? And can't we all just be united in the same mind and with the same judgment? Okay, um, that is a nice concept. But when we look at the reality, the reality is the exact opposite, right? And, and any number of you could put in any number of ideas behind this, like, well, sin entered the world, and so everybody doesn't agree. But I'm going to have to challenge that, because what about the church? Why are there in Christian religion, in the Christian religion, the Christian faith, why are there so much, why is there so much division, right? Why are so many people claiming this theology and that theology and this, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Okay, so let's dive into this just a little bit, okay? And this is important to help because context is everything when you're reading the Bible. And I think so um, much of what we read in scripture, we take out of context, and we try to use the Bible verse, well, the Bible is a living, breathing, active word of God, which means it can apply to any of us anyway. I'm going to challenge you right now on telling you that that's a false, very scary place to be when you start deciding what you think the Bible means. If I were just to back up as an author, I've written 11 different books, um, and those books are specific, right? They're on specific topics. Uh, if somebody took a, like a one sentence and said that's what the whole book is about, and it wasn't, it was like a random sentence that was the opposite. I was maybe giving a kind of a simile of this is what it's like, or maybe this is the opposite of what it's like. And then that's what everybody just decided that's what that meant because it felt better to them. But that's not what I meant as an author. Do you think I'd be okay with that? No, right? We know this. And we want to always, when quoting someone, when, you know, trying to understand something, the, the goal is deeper truth, right? And context is everything. We want to see kind of who, who was I writing it to? So for instance, I have uh, eight different essential oil books, and it talks about health. And I talk about things like your um, systems and uh, the pH balance of your body. And if you took that out of context and w wasn't really paying attention to that I was writing to oilers, you might pull that and, and say that should apply to this other group of people, right? And it's like, well, no, you have to take it into context. Who, who was I writing to? What was the full context? Did you read the entire um, paragraph, but then did you read the entire chapter and figure out what was the entire chapter referencing? And then did you read the entire book? And what's beautiful about the Bible is that it's a book of books, right? It's a bunch of books pulled together to 
tell the full overarching story of the gospel message from Genesis clear all the way to Revelation. So when we understand that they all tell the story, the gospel message, but then we're looking at individual books and then individual verses. And remember, when people read the Bible back then, it was a letter. It wasn't like verse two, verse three, right? And there was no like breakout chapters with these weird titles of the chapter. It just was a letter for the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, a lot of it was just these beautiful writings of storytelling. So when we look at the context, we want to understand what was Paul doing here. And Paul was correcting them. Okay, and here's why. And then that again, we have to look at the full context. If you read that entire First Corinthians chapter one, you'd understand the context that these people were freaking out, okay? And what I mean by that is all of these men and women who who Paul and other leaders were teaching and training and visiting and helping them understand the gospel message, they were all like trying to one-up each other. Now, how many of you guys are like name droppers? You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, I'm, you know, oh, I just talked to so-and-so the other day. And everyone's like, ooh, who? Right? It's like here in the United States, if you see a celebrity, you kind of go ballistic over it. And I have never had that. I don't know why it might be go back to my nonverbal, but like my sister and I are exact opposites. When it comes to celebrities, she gets all like crazy and like kind of the heart palpitations. And um, like she went to Rachel, see Rachel Hollis recently, and she sat in like the front row and she said she was like shaking. And I was like, for real? Like, that's and every time she's ever seen and we live in Southern California. So we see actual celebrities all the time, like randomly in LA. And she goes like crazy. She gets so excited. And it's just part of who she is. It's her makeup. And many of you guys are that way. Even with me, which makes it super weird, by the way, I get it because I'm in your lives teaching you guys um, all the time. And so when I'm, you know, the, the most prevalent was in, um, I think it was the Philippines when I was on stage and we were doing like a line of people just to do selfies. We, they call them weefies. So we were doing weefies and people were like shaking next to me. And I'm like, we're all good sister. Like we're the same. You know what I mean? And it was just weird to me, but I've never had that. Like for me personally, and it's no judgment on having it or not having it. I get it. I get the excitement of it, but I just, for me, I'm thinking like we all bleed we all poop. Right? We all put our pants on the same. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I always envision like at our worst, right? Everyone at some point is at their worst. And if you really think that through, like who's the one person you admire the most on this planet and think about a most embarrassing situation for you. Like, let's say you're sick and you're just like, you know, just, just let's pretend here. Let's say what would be the most embarrassing thing? Like, probably in public peeing and pooping in your pants. Okay. We always have to go to poop and pee because I've got an 11 year old son. And so we're always joking about this stuff, but bodily fluids, right? But let's say you pooped your pants (laughs) in public. Um, what if you were standing next to Brad Pitt and he pooped his pants next to you? I mean, you'd have a full on different view of him, right? So the thing is in context, what was going on in the Corinthians they were freaking out over who was better based on who baptized them, right? Like, 
well, Paul baptized me. So that puts me above you. So we have this concept of um, FOMO here in the United States and in international markets, they, they talk about Kiasu. And as much as my international friends tell me like Kiasu is the same of the, as the fear of missing out, it's not because a Kiasu is more readily understood as a I'm better than you because I got it first, or I got there first, or I knew about it first, right? Paul baptized me first. So that means I'm somehow better than you. That is kiasu. And so this is a true kiasu um, passage in the Bible, where these people were freaking out. (laughs) Okay, so... So when you, when you start to understand then the context of timing, and Paul was saying, guys, the gospel is what imp- is important. I'm thankful I didn't baptize many of you because I think you guys are missing the point. And the point here is that Christ was crucified and that he rose from the dead. That's it. So this whole idea of being a teachable spirit kind of flew out the window because they were all so concerned, this sort of, they had their blinders on, so concerned with, with like positioning. And so what I want to help you understand about the timing too is to us, it might not make sense, like who cares, right? But to them back then, think about the fact that in that time period of when Jesus came, People were waiting, meaning all of the people of the prophetic, you know, all of the the um, Hebrew nation was all waiting for the Messiah to come. And to them, what that meant was what they felt it meant, not what Scripture said. But they were waiting for this Savior, this this God figure to come and wipe out the government that was so corrupt and come in and be their champion. But what happened was Christ came and died, right? Didn't come, wasn't the champion in the way they wanted him to come. He came and was our champion by taking the weight of our sins on his shoulders and dying for our sins. And by the way, living what Adam and Eve were supposed to live, right? He lived the perfect life that was supposed to happen. But then took the weight of our sins anyways and died for us in our place and our judgment gets passed through him. And we, you know, meaning if you are a Christian, you are now weight free. So that's the gospel message. And think, think about that. These men and women knew the true secret. They knew the true Messiah had come and what he actually did. So while droves and droves of people were still waiting for the Messiah, they were like charged to go spread the gospel message to spread the actual true truth. So this is where it gets interesting to me because that whole Kiasu concept and the whole what we knew to be true, right? And then messing it up. Because, oh my goodness, you guys, like, here's here's a quote from my pastor. Are your priorities and perspective getting in the way of, of what you're doing, of your sanctification, realistically, right? And so... Part of the part of the beauty of all of this and part of the interesting, I guess, truth here is that I'm a constant mess up. And we see this in the transfiguration, right? You've got Peter, James, and Paul 
being invited as the only three up the mountain, Jesus transforms into his actual glory, right? Literally like they're what in the world is going on? They clearly understand at this point and know beyond a shadow of a doubt the true truth that Jesus is not just a man that did a good job living his life, but he's actually God. Now, this is before the crucifixion. So you'd think they saw it in all its glory, right? They saw God, they saw Jesus, they saw the whole thing. And you would think from that moment on, it would be game on, like we get it now. But they didn't, right? Peter denied him three times. You know, they all left. They all dispersed right after Jesus died. They were freaking out. So it goes back to me thinking, okay, I'm hard on myself all the time. I want to be right all the time. I want to make sure my theology is correct. You know, I want to check the boxes of my, you know, theology And I want to kind of like help somebody know when they're wrong. Like my husband always laughs at me. He's like, why do you always have to tell everybody when they're wrong? Right. And I'm like, you're right. It's this kind of desire to be right and have the boxes checked. But in the end, I'm not right. Right. In the end, it's just like Peter. He saw Jesus in all his glory. And then several months later, he denied him. I don't know who that man is. It's like, are you kidding me? And I think many of us think I would never do that. I wouldn't be that lame, (laughs) right? But man, how many of you guys can relate to Peter? And just the fact that we mess up all the time. And so that helps me remember that I need to be humble, right? I need to consider the fact that I'm absolutely not right on practically everything, right? So we go through these comments of like, is it more important for you to be right or to be loving, or to be kind, or to be humble, or to be teachable. I mean, you can put any word in there. But that's what I struggle with. And I'm always like my prayer, my prayer forgiveness section, like when we look at acts as a series of prayer, and this is September 1st, and we just released the brand new seasons prayer journal. It's a nonprofit um, journal that can help you. There's even printable version of it so that you can just print out your own pages if you don't have any cash whatsoever. And also, if you need a Bible, you can message me and I will send you a free Bible. But that is part of this ministry is helping you guys get closer to God. And so we have the Acts method in there, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And we start to understand the, the route of that, like why that's in place, why that's a really good way to pray. Is because when you adore God, you're really meditating on his attributes. And every time you come to prayer and you start with adoration, you're actually raising your view of God. And I find that probably the biggest diagnostic issue for our disease when it comes to our own spirituality is the fact that our view of God is low. And so having a low view of God is is probably one of the biggest problems where we think, yeah, he's, he's good and I get him. And it's like, we live here in the United States. Many of you guys who follow me are here in the United States. And you get into this whole issue of, well, we all know who Jesus is and was and what he did and yay. And I'm going to praise him right now through song. And, you know, you find yourself wandering off in your mind about something else. And it's like, it's like Peter. 
you he saw the face of God and then he just digressed again. (laughs) Like what? And in a big way, like denied him three times for self-preservation, right? That is how powerful our sin nature is. That is how powerful the itch of sin is. The fact that my flesh is constantly scratching at the surface saying, I want what I want. That is how deep rooted our sin is and how self-serving and selfish we are. So when you think of the verse like deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, you know, my pastor was bringing this up again today. We're always talking about this. I've talked with you guys about this on the last lecture where we're saying, hey, that doesn't mean like the pretty cross that has now been redeemed by Christ that we wear around our neck and that we have in church. And, you know, we have this view, this worldview of the cross as being freedom and life. But the cross really meant death. Back then, when it, when they said, pick up your cross, that basically means murder yourself. Put yourself on the cross. You're dying. You're going to die. That doesn't mean that today. So we have to always think about context and what that means. And what is so beautiful to me is like in Mark 9, 24, where the guy says, I believe. And in the same breath, he says, help my unbelief. And you're like, what? (laughs) What does that mean? And really, when I look at it, I think that is such, such a beautiful, short, concise depiction of me. I believe, help my unbelief. It's like I am all in and I'm just really not all in because even with Christ next to me, like Peter had him, even with the full true truth in front of you, God still knows we're dust. God still knows that we are constantly dealing with our sin nature. And so my goal is to be teachable. My goal is to back up and say I messed up how can I do this better next time? And it is not on my own strength, you guys. It is straight through the Holy Spirit. And so people ask me all the time, like, how do you move forward when, you know, you feel this kind of weight of your sin? Because you've gotten this whole thing of adoration, right? And when you really, truly adore him through your prayer and start focusing on and meditating on raising your view of God, the moment you get to like the end of that that one or two sentences of adoration in your prayer journal, I mean, chills usually come over me and I'm thinking, oh, wow. It's like seeing God transformed. Like, you know, Jesus is God. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. I have to raise my view of God. And the moment that happens, that is when it's the woe is me. It's like, whoa, like I raise the view of God and I realize how awful I am. And the weight of my sin bears down even heavier. And so that crushing love of loving him and realizing how huge and amazing and how different, set apart, holy God is, crushes me a little bit. And some days a lot of it to the point where when I get to that second level of prayer, I go into confession and I'm ready. My heart is ready to confess. It's not just little like, oh, forgive me for that. And I confess that I did that. It's not. It's more like, oh, I'm ruined. I just, I'm just awful. And I'm sorry. And please forgive me. The the motive becomes totally different. So that's why we put adoration before confession. And then after you've confessed, 
there is a beautiful, I'm getting chills right now, right? There's this beautiful weight that lifts off your shoulders and you're now ready to say thank you. Like it's just this glorious gratitude that washes over you of thankfulness that then you can truly thank him in a real way, not a thank you for my kids and thank you for the blessings and la 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 la, right? This kind of like, what am I thankful for? I just have to put thankfulness down. It's not, it's a true heart change of gratitude. And, and then when that's all done, right, when you feel like you've just poured your heart out, then guess what happens? Something very beautiful. You, when you get into the supplication part on the acts, A-C-T-S, this, the S is what you ask for. And how many of you guys are really confused by the whole ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you, right? Uh, well, that doesn't mean like, oh Lord, you're not going to sit there writing for a new car. You're not going to sit there writing, you know, please help me obtain this or get me the new job, right? God knows what we need and he will take care of that stuff. And yes, he asks us to ask for things, but he doesn't really mean, you know, ask for that new car, right? He'll provide. He provides for the for the flowers in the fields and he's made them more beautiful than Solomon ever was. So why are we doubting the fact that he's going to provide for us? So when you get to that portion of asking, it changes, my friend. What you ask for is because you raised your view of God You truly confessed your shortcomings and the things that you need help on. And then you're thanking him with a true, grateful heart in in just heaviness, right? And then when you ask, you ask for the things of God. You start asking because you are now in his will. You have aligned yourself with his will, not your own. And the ask, the supplication part is very different at that point. And I love that. I love the method of this prayer, even though there's many methods and many, you know, you can also just pray, but this method helps us get into a right spirit with God, a right motive. And so I hope that this has helped you kind of figure out like where I want to be, how I want to move forward. Um, You know, I believe, help my unbelief. Am I teachable? Am I trying to be right all the time? Do I have FOMO or Kiasu, right? Am I just trying to check the box? I mean, how often are we just check the box, check the box, check the box? Or am I truly sitting under Christ? And if you want to, those are my note takers, you know, think about two main things. And I'll give you three verses here to look up. So give you a little bit of homework. But Acts 17, 11, really, it's examine the scriptures, right? Don't just let some pastor or friend or me tell you what the scriptures mean. You, and this is where we get into all these different religions and all these different bickerings when it comes to, you know, theology, Your pastor can tell you one thing, and a friend can tell you something, and I can tell you something, and and it doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is what God said. So check the scriptures, okay? And I never really understood that until like six years ago. I thought that if a pastor was teaching me from the pulpit, he must know what he's talking about if he made it there. And I've come to find out that sadly, a lot of pastors, um, they're just men, right? They are not any better than anybody, right? Just like our celebrity friends. They're fallible. Man is fallible. No one is perfect but Jesus. So, ah, okay, so you have to go in with that understanding and you check. You be a good Berean is what it's called. You actually check the scriptures. Uh, Then you're going to look up John 14, 26. And remember, this is something that I loved about A.W. Tozer when you read his story, is that he was all about 
I'm not super smart. He's written some of the best books that we have on theology and just the holiness of God and just things that will just inspire you and be, it's just amazing and will edify you. Again, he was just a man and he tells you he was not educated. He really, you know, not a smart man at all. And he would sit and just pray before he read because he couldn't make sense of any of it. None of it made any sense. And how many of you guys is that you? Like, none of it makes any sense. You read the Bible and you're like, I'm sorry, this is just too hard. It's too hard and it's too boring and I'd rather read something else. And that's the reality of many of us. And I'm that way some days too. So I have to remember to sit down before I read and pray that the Holy Spirit would teach me that I would learn and be edified and encouraged and understand what I'm reading, right? And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's it. So you ask that, you pray for that, you pray that the Holy Spirit would give you wisdom to understand what God is asking you to read, what God is sharing with you. And then I want you to look up Psalm 86, 11, and that's just a nice encouraging verse on, um, learning and all that being teachable. So, so that's it for today. Um, I pray that you guys would continue to be on this journey with me and continue to pray, pray. Um, and if you are on the fourth quarter, I can't believe that we've done an entire year, but we are on the fourth quarter prayer journal. Um, you all have helped me so much in getting this journal to where it needs to be. Um, and so remember this journal is a journal I put together based on what I needed. And many of you guys asked for it. And all it is, is, um, the prayer journal with daily verses. So the summertime one had no verses because it was more free form, which means, you know, you look up a verse that you want to put in there and follow some sort of guide that you want to do. But everybody said, you know what, Jen, we really like the verses in there. So this prayer journal that is now available on Amazon, it's only through Amazon, and it's called called the Seasons um, Fall Prayer Journal. There's two versions. One is a black and white version that's very inexpensive. Again, both of these are at Amazon cost, so there's no profit to me. Um, and the other one is a color version, so it's a $5 version or a $15 version. The full color one is beautiful, but again, it's just because Amazon charges so much for color versions. So that is just to understand those two versions. It's the size that we're going to stay at now. We kind of had a bigger one, and then we had a smaller one, and now this is sort of a middle one, and this is the one that we did for the summer size. So this is the size we're sticking with because it makes the most sense. We're doing verses in them. And then also because it's a daily prayer journal where you write out the verse, the verse will be at the top, but you're supposed to write out the verse. And then you do your prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication every day. It's not dated though. So you can do, you know, do whatever you want. You can do it every day or every other day or however you want to do. But the front part is a calendar and why the calendar is there. And I don't have it on me because it's being, it's being shipped today. I should have it tonight. But just to show you, like this was the summer one. And I know many of you guys on the podcast, you won't be able to see this, but it's about a like seven by 10 ish size book. And the very front of it is a calendar. So it gives you the monthly calendar and then a weekly breakdown. And I know that like we were talking about checking the boxes today and, you know, that's kind of obnoxious. But when it comes to my daily calendar, I kind of want to have boxes to check. And this is for me to say like, okay, journal, I check the box because I want to make sure I'm accountable. 
I need accountability. And then, you know, call this company, talk to this customer. Like I literally put down what I need to do, what are priorities. There's a box down in the lower right hand corner that is kind of an open section. Sometimes I put a prayer verse in there that I just want to focus on for the week. And other times it becomes my shopping list section, right? So this is just meant for you to use, like put doctor's appointments, whatever it is that you're doing. But the reason this is in here is because I had a calendar. And by the way, I'm not super interested in my iPhone calendar because I'm really trying to get away from being on the phone so much. So that's why I like this because it's physical. Um, also because like when I'm reading my Bible on my phone, my kid and my husband just thinks I'm on my phone, like, you know, messing around. So I feel like it's better to have an actual physical Bible, my actual physical prayer journal. So it's a visual thing for everybody that like mom's reading the Bible, you know, mom's using her prayer journal. Like it's, it's a good thing to teach my son this. Um, and then my prayer, then the next section is the prayer journal area. And then the final section is a notes section. And we used to call it sermon notes or meeting notes, but I just put notes for this one. And the reason for that is because sometimes it's my sermon notes and then next to it, I might be writing out my series notes for this, or I might have a phone call with one of my leaders and I, I need a note place. I want this to become your all in one book for the quarter. And so that you're able to track things, even my tithing, right? In in the monthlies, there's a little area here that's kind of grayed out so that you can write in there, but it's not obvious. So if someone's looking at it, they won't be able to see what you wrote down, but it's your monthly offering area. And this is just a helpful tool for me to have sort of this all in one journal and calendar journal, meeting notes, all in one. I get it spiral bound. I just go to Kinko's um, here, but you can go to, I guess it's called FedEx now, um, or Staples or whatever, they just will spiral bound it. They chop the spine off, spiral bound it. Um, and the new one is super pretty. I love it. It is a leaf, like a brown leaf with some water drops on it. So you'll just see that. And um, you guys can just get it on Amazon. Uh, if you want the actual downloadable printables, um, I will post the printable link in the top of here. I will post it on the YouTube live chat area. And then for the actual... Um, podcast in the notes section, there'll be a link to the printable. So it's just a printable of the calendar of what, you know, a sample of the, it's just one page. So then you would print multiples out. So you can print out the full calendar for the whole year if you wanted to. And then you would print out the, um, the actual journal, which doesn't have verses in it because it's one page that you would just print over and over again. And I always recommend that people just use like you version or Takarta Bible because every day they have a daily, a daily Bible verse there and just write it in and then the notes section. So you can just print that out and put it in a little, you know, book, however you want to do that. Um, but the $5 version is much nicer than the printables. And that's, you know, if you have Amazon prime, I don't know who can't afford five bucks, but maybe you don't have Amazon prime, but I bet one of your friend friends do. So you get free shipping with Amazon prime. Um, all right. So that's it. Thanks for hanging out with me this Sunday and we'll see you uh, next month. Uh, I appreciate all of you guys being with me and hanging out and uh, that's it for today. All right. Take care. Bye guys. Bye.